the IBM Z applications and runtime podcasts. Your place to get the newest trends and direction for mainframe runtimes and environments. Hello and welcome to our Application Platforms Talk podcast. If you don't know what this podcast is about, then I strongly suggest you look at our introductory podcast where we will answer all your, your queries and questions, hopefully. And that can be found on ibm.biz forward slash Z podcast. Now, today, I'm once again, I'm joined by my cohort, Toby. Hi, Toby. Hello. Good to be back. And I'm delighted to say that we're very lucky to be joined today by Fraser Bone from the UK Labs in Hursley. He's a distinguished engineer. Welcome, Fraser. Hi, Nick. Hi, Toby. It's great to be here. So would you like to just say a few words about uh, what your role is these days as a distinguished engineer? Sure, I can do that. I mean, it is worth saying, though, that this is the question I hate most at dinner parties. Um, (laughs) So what do you actually do? Um, So uh, I have a dual role at the moment. Um, So my main role that I've been doing for a number of years now is as chief architect for the Kix family of products and related products in the portfolio. So that's things like Kix Transaction Server, Kix Transaction Gateway, um, the TX Series family, the associated tools, ZOS Connect, things like that. So that's uh, mainly, you know, with a team based in in Hursley as well as um, the India Lab mainly. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, I have a, a, a secondary role which I picked up towards the end of last year. Uh, so I'm also the chief architect now for the Z AI Ops set of tooling. So our machine learning offerings for operations, systems automation, Omegamons, all those kind of uh, products fall under that remit as well. So it means, you know, two jobs at once. Well, I'm sorry I can't offer you a glass of wine now as we're not actually at a dinner party, but thank you for that great introduction. Now, I know today we've asked you to come along and talk about trends and directions in application platforms. Now, I just want to make everyone aware, all our listeners, that when we talk about application platforms, we're talking about topics around runtimes that we've uh, we have on the mainframe. So Fraser, would you like to just go into a kind of high level talk about what the application platforms are that we'll we'll be discussing today? Sure. So in essence, the scope of things that you could think of as an application platform uh, are everywhere that applications run. Uh, so in the main, you know, the traditional view of this is like, you know, essentially kicks and IMS were the original application platforms full stop, right? And 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 you can see that because they're they're a step up from what the operating system will offer. Right. So it's not just running an application necessarily on the, the bare operating system, but they provide a collection of services and frameworks and tools that make running applications uh, easier. Easier to operate, easier to develop, more resilient. Um, and that's the sort of role of an application platform. Uh, and so I think I think we had application platforms on Z before anybody had even even coined the phrase. Now they've they've come into more prominence as a sort of concrete concept uh, when we look at the, the various cloud platforms, um, especially things like uh, AWS, OpenShift, Azure, uh, because they're offering application platforms in the cloud. 
But as they've evolved those things and added a number of capabilities around useful characteristics and useful features of an application platform, you know, for more modern style applications, perhaps, or more recent cloud style applications, then you take that holistically on our platform and you can see it, it now spans beyond just those core products that offered the ability to run applications, as well as the things like the language runtimes, like the ability to run COBOL apps with LE or Java apps with the JVM or Go apps. Uh, so all of that taken together holistically is really what the concept of an application platform is. And that is, uh, as Nick said, that's quite a new term for us to use. So we traditionally spoke about runtimes, but this is a term that you will see more often be used in the future when we talk about also kicks and IMS and stuff, I assume. Yes, definitely. And I think it, it, one reason why it, there is a difference is when we talked about runtimes, I mean, the clues in the name, it, it really focused very much on just the runtime component, you know, the server that runs the application. I, I see. So, so, so there are more more services now that comes up, and I think that that already fits us to to a question that we that we would have next. So, so, so you've been in in this business of platforms or runtimes for quite a long time now. What what do you think ha did change over the years when you look back when you started w with Kix? What what was it different to what it is now? Yes. Yeah, so I started in Kix uh, 25 years ago this year. So I get my Ooh, quarter of a century. <laughs> Anniversary. And yes, definitely, a lot of things have changed over that time. I think I was lucky enough um, to be involved uh, in many of them. Uh, so I, I think one of the first ones that changed, which is a good example of, of, of how we've shifted, is one of the very first things I worked on when I joined Kicks back you know, 25 years ago was as a tester, testing the new and exotic HTTP server capability that was being put into, into Kix. Uh, and so as a new graduate without any background or experience in, you know, heritage in, in how our customers operate their, their, their Kix environments or the restrictions they're under, that seems like a perfectly natural thing to do to me. Uh, and it was quite an eye-opener to see some of the initial pushback, fear, sometimes hostility to the idea of opening a, a Kicks uh, application up to this scary wild west of the internet. Whereas now, I think, you know, we'd estimate that a very, very large percentage of all workload that actually runs inside, you know, a Kicks application is, is inevitably driven from the internet as opposed to, uh, you know, um, what would have been the case back then. I mean, that actually is a really good example of a real mind shift change um, that has continued on right over the last 25 years uh, from the view of what it of of kicks being i guess very insular inward looking very focused on just what happens on the mainframe on the platform uh, to being outward looking and embracing of new technologies and and moving on with integrations with things well beyond Uh, you know, the, the, the standard kicks environment. So, you know, we rolled onto web services and then we, we went hard on Java and then into the, the Liberty stuff to get JEE. The comms patterns have continued to expand out to be industry standard and, and highly accessible. Uh, and then that's rippled out into, into the, the tooling space around, you know, things like DevOps pipelines with Maven and Gradle, automation with Ansible. So, 
for me, the biggest mind shift or shift of, of way of working over that time is really a, an inward-looking to an outward-looking um, viewpoint. Yeah, I like when, when it comes to that, I find very interesting that there is a, a quote that I uh, tend to tend to tend to uh, offer here from Andreas Bieswanger, who is one of our fellows of the Z platform. And he says, we want to be in many parts the same. So we want to have the same feeling. We want to just be better in delivery. And I think that is that is that is quite a good good term to what you just described. So we want to offer all the things that we see in the industry, but we just want to do it better than than most other parts in the industry do. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with him about that exact point. And I think my my version of the same statement is um, we want to be differentiated but not different, which yeah. which seems like an oxymoron in some ways. Seems like a contradiction, but you can still embrace all the standard things, but still have differentiated value. That yeah. makes the platform worthwhile. Um, so yeah, that is a that is a big shift. Yeah. So so when we now look at at, at Kicks, what do you think made Kicks special to to lift that long and to were able? Even I mean, you said there were plenty of things that that came into Kicks over the years. You adopted Java, you adopted HTTP, you adopted web services, RESTful, and so on. What what do you think was one of the key success factors that you've that you still see in the product that makes it able to actually digest all of this new stuff that comes in every other day? So I think one of the, the key success factors, uh, and this is a bit of, of humility really, is actually the investment and progress on the platform itself, right? It's, it's, it's easy to just focus on what we might have done um, in Kicks, but the, the underlying value of the whole platform Uh, you know, especially in forward compatibility, so that you know nobody has to rewrite applications unless they want to. Um, things just keep working, and even those things that just keep working get better and better. That's a that's a value that that Kicks applications and Kicks itself inherits from the platform and the ecosystem around us. So I think mm. that's really important because it, it doesn't you know it, it avoids any sort of discontinuity or breakpoint that might be. Uh, in, in in people's businesses or whatever, they they can they they can have that confidence. They can just keep doing what they're doing. But in terms of the ability for a product like Kicks to rapidly and repeatedly uh, innovate and um, bring in new technology, I think there's a couple of factors. Uh, one, I will always uh, offer up thanks for because it happened before I even joined IBM is the domain restructure work that the team did in Hursley, you know, in the, the 80s into the early 90s, I think, that really re-architected to a, 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 for the day a modern standard of software architecture. Uh, and, and that has been paying dividends ever since in that it means the team is able to uh, not be scared of what we've got and be willing to make changes that might seem quite intimidating uh, because that fundamental kernel and domain architecture that's sitting in the middle of kicks is so well done that it, it allows us to make changes with confidence that we're not going to break other things that are outside of those domains or you know it's just really good software engineering uh, and then that confidence that that gives the team i think has allowed us to have the sort of third factor that i think's really made a difference which is which is really a cultural one rather than a technology one you need leadership that's willing to embrace taking those sort of risks uh, and making those sort of changes so you you know you need to to be 
outward looking or inward looking. Uh, and the, the whole leadership down to the way the teams work has to support that. So, you know, our, we, we've gone through a transformation to agile methods and that has really helped us with the, um, the speed at which we're able to, to do some of these things now as well. But yeah, team culture, I think, has played a really big part in that ongoing success. And, and Fraser, have you seen that in other application platforms, for example, like IMS or, or WebSphere, TPF, that kind of thing? Have you seen that same broad restructuring and, and pr- preparation for, for new technologies? So I think, I mean, every every team has a different starting point, which gives it its own unique set of challenges across the board. I mean, I think if we look as a good example, when WebSphere created the Liberty runtime and went through all that effort and for me i looked at that and said this this is somewhat jokingly and tongue-in-cheek it's their equivalent of kicks domain restructure (laughs) because they they ripped it apart from the ground up and put it back together in what was a state-of-the-art modern architecture for the day they got rid of all their their you know the, the the dirty laundry that was hidden in the original implementation that was that was slowing them down and I think if you look at the the results, you know, how fast Liberty's been able to innovate and keep moving forward and the fact that we've been able to integrate it into Kicks, all of that's a result of that re-architecture and redefinition. Uh, so I think teams often do reach a point in their technical maturity if a product's going to enter that very long live phase where they they do go through that, that process. I mean, other teams as well, I mean, we've got, IMS on a, you know, on their agile journey, um, working really hard to to adopt those methods and and to have the same impacts from it. So I think different teams will focus on different parts of that transformation. But yeah, across across the platform, from the operating system to every product team I'm involved with, there's a a relentless focus on transforming towards agile methods to get better at them, even once you think you're doing them right. So continuous improvement. And another thing I'd say that has really made a huge difference to the way we develop our products and the results that that come out of it is the IBM design thinking methodology. Uh, So again, teams are at various points on an agile adoption from a sort of day-to-day development practice, but we're also all on different points on a journey on integrating uh, and getting additional value from the design thinking methodology as well. Yeah, I find that, I find that very interesting. And I think it also is a good example that modern software architecture is not just the hype and the trend, but but when you look at what you achieved with it and also the WebSphere team achieved with it, I mean, it's still a kind of monolithic application from the deployment standpoint, but it, ha- it has all the benefits that, as you just described, of a modern architecture like like most people assume that they get when they do microservices but it's just coming from very good design and i i really like that 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 notion that you just brought in here yeah and actually as a as a maybe a slightly amusing aside i was looking with ian mitchell who's my predecessor as the the kicks chief architecture at some very old design documentation uh, so you know it was hard copy um, yeah. <laughs> about the kernel rearchitecture and so you say monolithic, but they had designed in the thought and the capability for kernel calls to be remoted to other processes or address spaces. Um, so the architecture is actually there in the Kix architecture to break domains out to essentially microservices running in separate um, 
aerospace instances. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've never done it, never had a need to do it, but it was just funny to see that they they thought about it and they designed the kernel linkage in such a way that that would have been that would have been possible to do. What, what what I personally find a very very great idea for most of the software projects I see because I see at the moment everyone wants to distribute everything around for for for, for no reason because as you said you never had the reason to actually do it even though you prepared yourself for it which is yeah. I think it's a, it's a great thing as we are also talking to the developers of the platform maybe maybe think of it that way so really good. So, so, so maybe last question as we try to make it around 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes. What do you think will happen next? So uh, I think that is a question that most of our listeners will have when they talk about, when they think about the, the, the platforms and, and what, what, what do you think comes next after this now restructuring that we already seen in the, in the past years? So, I mean, the first thing to say is, uh, with all, And it's it's a common it's a common thing to be asked both you know externally like this or or internally when you're in a chief architect role, uh, you know what what's going to happen next? Uh, and uh, I, my my usual answer to this is always well if I was able to tell you that I wouldn't need to be a chief architect in a software company because I would you know I'd be able to have made all my money on the <laughs> stock market and uh, I I wouldn't need to be doing this job, uh, but. Of course, what it what it means is everything that we we do when we're looking ahead is some form of gamble or risk or judgment call, right? But you can look at broad trends, and we know you know we use those to guide our investments. So, I think we are continuing to accelerate towards this outside in world as opposed to the inside out world, where the way things are done more generally, especially in the hybrid cloud world and the hybrid cloud environments, places like OpenShift, and as we mentioned, AWS and Azure, they're becoming more and more important to the overall application landscape and topology. Uh, so the bits of an overall enterprise application that run on our platform, you know, we're going to continue to see pressures and value by having them play nicely with those other bits that are in these, these new application platforms in the cloud that, you know, weren't really relevant five years ago and definitely weren't at all relevant 10 years ago. So that trend will continue. Um, in terms of the sort of things we're doing on the platform around that are trying to align with the sort of technology stacks that are used in places like Red Hat OpenShift. So you'll have already have seen a lot of work in the last few years on allowing Ansible to be used for automation alongside our existing automation strategies. Uh, that's especially useful when you've got automation that needs to span Mm -hmm. environments where uh, you know that outside in method would make more sense and it also opens up the skills right so that people that have uh, you know an out automation corporate or enterprise automation strategy around ansible can integrate that more seamlessly with the the z platform assets and then we have a statement of direction that's out there which talks about providing container technology for zos applications Uh, and there are a number of tech previews related to that around ZOS ADK. Uh, so that that's not a not a real product or anything yet. It's a it's technology previews. It's just show essentially what our experiments and prototyping that we've been doing in the various labs environment towards being able to support containerized applications on the platform. And when I say that, it's not like the Z container extensions where you run a, a Linux container alongside ZOS. This is actually packaging up and rearchitecting 
ZOS application assets. So, you know, in ZOS ADK, you can do ZOS Connect things, Liberty things, Kix things in the tech preview, IMS things. But then you can adopt the container lifecycle that goes alongside that that's common in the hybrid cloud world. And indeed, you can use a Kubernetes control plane to to manage and drive those things. And I think if I was looking forward, I can see a, you know that trend continuing and providing a, a huge amount of value to uh, further integrate you know the the application components that run on on our platform into these wider hybrid cloud architectures. And then the last thing, with my other hat on, is you know there's a a, a relentless focus on us trying to understand how uh, machine learning and AI techniques and capabilities can both future-proof our platform and drive real additional value in. So obviously my main focus with my AI ops role is on the use of AI in ops, right? And if, uh, you know, uh, problem determination for preemptive analysis mm-hmm. of potential outages and that sort of thing. But obviously on the kick side as well, we're also thinking about, and the application platform side, where it might play both in terms of how to more easily create business services that use AI technology, as well as where it might play in the runtimes and the platform itself in terms of, you know, self-optimization, um, self-protection, those kind of angles as well. Hmm. So I think I think those are my big trends I can see as, as the direction we're going. And I also think we've had a lot of success on the platform with adopting new technology stacks, you know, with the Java support, the Liberty support, the Go support. Um, and also, Fraser, yes. who would have thought that Kix development would be using open source and GitHub repositories five years ago? That wouldn't have been thought of, would it? Yeah, it's another it's another example of that outside in. That you know that is the way it's it's done everywhere else. And yes, so we're continuing to look at both enabling, you know, the customers to use uh, GitHub and other. You know, their choice of repository, but definitely um, that drives us into areas that were very new to us, like um, thoughts around configuration as code and how that affects DevOps pipelines, as well as just, yeah, we put our samples in GitHub now, right? So that, that that's the standard repository for the artifacts the team produced that we want to make freely available. Okay, thanks, Fraser. And thank you, Toby. Thank you very much for your time today, Fraser. I know it's uh, all valuable and we're all sick of sitting on Zoom calls or WebEx calls. So thank you very much for that. Cool. You're more than welcome. Happy to do it anytime. And we will hold you to that, Fraser. We will hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> this recording will be put on ibm.biz forward slash Z podcast. You will find many other Z related podcasts in that repository there. I'd like to thank you all for listening today, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.